Well, I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. Anybody else? Amen. I'm excited that uh, Easter is coming. Hallelujah. Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we get to celebrate what we believe. Amen. That God sent His Son to die for us. And uh, on the third day, somebody say third day. Raised Him back to life, conquered death, hell and the grave, set us free. Praise God. Amen. So excited. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 31 and uh, just kind of going to start building some momentum towards uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and believing God. And and really, uh, if I can, I'm praying to maybe push you out of your comfort zone. Amen. So you say, Pastor, I think you do that every week. Well, good. Amen. So we're trying, praise the Lord. We'll keep going and uh, then until we get you out of there, praise the Lord. Amen. But out of that place where, where, where I'm just, uh, I'm, if God uses me, it's never comfortable being used by God. But it is comforting. It's comforting to know that the Lord wants to use us, but it's not always comfortable being used by Him. Because it, it pushed me out of things where we really have to rely upon Him and trust Him uh, to be doing the work. Would you agree? Amen. Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. You got our slide up there, David. Let's make our declaration this morning if we can. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, in these next few moments, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you will do just that. You will cause your word to come alive on the inside of us. We believe that your word is living seed. It is living bread. And it imparts your life to us when we receive it in our heart. So Holy Spirit, do your work in us. We give you honor and praise this day in Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verses 7 and 8 read like this. This is Moses speaking to Joshua. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. I want you to hear what Moses says to Joshua. He says, Joshua, you're going to go with these people, and God has promised to give this land. This is their promise. This is their inheritance. He's promised to give this land to his people, but this is how it's going to come to pass. You're going to cause them to inherit it. They're not going to get it by, their, by themselves. You're going to be involved in them receiving the promise. Are you doing all right? And so we understand that verse 8 says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So God said to Joshua, through Moses, he says, God's going with you. You're going to cause his people to inherit. He's going to work with you. You're not going to be alone doing this. And so, but God is going to use you. And through God working through your life, people are going to receive their promise. Amen? Now, that applies to you and us today, and we've been, my time teaching, I've been going over the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, everything about the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? 
because that's what we are. We're people of the Spirit. We're alive, born alive, and made alive by the Spirit of God. And so it's so important for us to understand that and to live by that. But here's my question. On the day of Pentecost, when God poured out His Spirit, there were 120 in the upper room, and all 120 received the Holy Spirit. God poured His Spirit about upon everybody, it says, and they all began to speak with other tongues and, and magnify God as the Spirit gave them utterance. So God poured His Spirit out upon all 120, not just the 12. And so He anointed everybody, empowered everybody, not just a select few. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So God gives His Spirit in expression through our lives to every person. So that means that we're not supposed to just be looking to a select few to be doing the work of the ministry or to be used by God. God anoints and appoints everybody to be used by Him. Amen? Or in other words, if I could say it to you like this, God has a Joshua commission upon every one of our lives. If you are a born-again believer, then you are a Joshua to somebody. You are a Joshua to somebody. There is somebody that you are supposed to cause to inherit the promise of the kingdom of God. Life in Christ. Amen? God uses us to lead others in. God always uses people to lead others in. He needs us and He uses it. He set the whole thing up where He would work through us. And so you and I have a Joshua call or a commission upon our life to be a Christian. People say, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. It's you helping somebody else get in. That's just what it is. It's no more than that. God's will is you help somebody else get in. And so as we're approaching Easter, what is Easter all about? It's a celebration of our risen Lord and Savior. Amen? That God has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that this gospel is to be declared throughout the whole world. It's for us to tell somebody. Easter is not for us just to come and enjoy a program. Amen. Thank God for all the Easter programs, the pageants, the plays, the doing all this stuff. Glory to God. And when we finish our building up there, we'll have a big enough platform with side entrances and stuff to be able to do a play. Glory to God. I guess that'll be awesome. We'll be a real church then. Hallelujah. Whatever that means. Praise the Lord. But with that, but, 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 after, but after all of that, we still got to get somebody to Jesus. Amen. It's not about that. And so the key is, is that to be a Joshua, a Joshua cannot be a consumer. It can't, to be a Joshua, I can't just live my Christian life and make it about me. God's purpose on my life has to be connected to somebody else. Amen? So look at the cover of your outline. Someone said this, we are to behave and give and love and work as though Christ died yesterday, rose today, and is coming back tomorrow. That's the way we're supposed to live. Jesus died yesterday, he rose today, and he's coming back tomorrow, so we must be about our father's business. One young Bible school student wrote to his friend, and he said this, what if we made the choice to die preaching? What if we made the choice to die preaching? To give our whole heart to it, to make it our own business, so that we could say with the Apostle Paul, my gospel we must be pliable tools in the hands of the master. Why? He really needs us. He really needs us. 
And so I'm going to tell you today, God needs each and every one of you. There is somebody, and, and I, I hate, hope you just get this down on the inside of you. There is somebody that God has made you a Joshua to. There is somebody who won't make it to heaven if you will not be a Joshua in their life. It's just that serious, guys. God needs us to go and to tell them. If God could do it, there's one place in the Bible, and that's in, during the Great Tribulation in, in the book of Revelation, where God is going to send angels flying around through the sky and preaching the gospel. But right now, angels aren't preaching the gospel. We are. And if souls are going to be rescued from the, 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 from the eternal torment of hell, then it's going to happen because we rose up to be a Joshua in our generation. Amen. I'll have to amen myself in some of these points because they're just a little too pointed this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, statements like these can be challenging to us all. Why? Because they push on us in our comfort zone. And they stretch us to examine how we have chosen to respond to the call of God upon our lives individually. Amen. How many know as a steward, that's really what stewardship is, is that God gives us this ability to distribute to others. One, we've been given the stewardship of the Word of God. Amen. I, I mean, people just read the Word. I love the Word. I do. Well, the, the, have you ever shared the Word? No, but I love the Word. I read the Word. I study the Word. I pray the Word. Good. Have you ever shared the Word? No, but I love the Word. I pray. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm glad you're like a blown up tick about to fall off and go to heaven. Amen. Glory to God. So watch this. They push on us in our comfort zones and stretch us to examine how we have chosen to respond to the call of God upon our lives individually. Every Christian has a call upon their lives. The greatest joy one can know is to have a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that personal joy. We know Him. And to know daily that your life is making an impact for His kingdom. The greatest investment you can make in life is in rescuing souls from hell. Think about that. One of these days we're all going to stand before God. How many can just look around the world today and say, you know what? I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but just looking around, it's closer than it was yesterday. I mean, everything about the world events and things and shaping and things happening, we're, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And when the Lord returns and we're all gathered before Him on that day, we're going to see people separated on the right hand and on the left hand. And those on the right are going to be going into glory with God. Those on the left are going to be going into eternal torment. I don't know about you. I don't want to see anybody going that I should have reached. Are you listening to me? I want to be people coming in to the kingdom and having an impact upon because of the impact we were able to have upon their life. Look at this. The very God who was so moved with our need that he sent his only son to be the answer for our life will, if we allow him to, move our hearts to do and be the same for others. God, the God who moved towards you for your need will cause you to move towards someone else for their need. God will make you an answer that opens the door in their hearts to the Father. Look inside your outline, if you would, with me this morning. I want to talk to you about three commands that come into our life, or, or three different areas. The command from above, the cry from beneath, uh, the, the, the call from beneath, the cry from beneath, and the call from afar. The command, the cry, and the call this morning. 
And we know the Great Commission. The Great Commission is this. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Jesus says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. The, Jesus said, The harvest is ripe, it is ready, but their laborers need to go out. Amen? Laborers need to be sent out. Pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest field. How many could just look around the world today and say that the, the, there's a need for a Savior in our world today? Just looking at current events, a quick outward look at our world shows how desperate our world is for a Savior. David stood before Goliath and he just said this. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to rise up? And so that's all you have to look around. When you look around today, it's easy to see that there is a cause for us to go forth and to share the gospel. Jesus came for the specific reason of reaching and redeeming those who were lost, bound, broken, and bruised by life. That's the des description of our society today. People are lost. They are bound. Just look. Let me just illustrate it in this one way. Look at how lost we are in our identities today. We don't even know who we are as human beings. We are completely redefining humanity through identity, through gender identity, the, the multiplicity and the complexity of gender identity that's being promoted. Promoted and propagated through our culture, and that means that we are completely lost when we don't even know what we are. We need a Savior. Think about it. He came for them. His message has never changed and never will. His purpose has never changed and never will. That means our message and our purpose must be defined by Him. Jesus is here for the lost and the broken. I like what Keith Wright said. I put it in your outline. Lost people matter to God, so they should matter to us. Lost people matter to God. They, they have to matter to us. It's not about my Christianity. Bless God, I know that I'm saved. I'm born again. I love saying that. Today when you go to the restaurant, the next time somebody asks you how you're doing, say, man, I am blessed. I'm saved. I'm born again. Filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. How are you doing? Just tell them that, man. They go, I don't know. Well, you can be. Praise the Lord. So just settle that. Man, you're saved. You're born again. You're adopted by God. You're a child in the family of God. You're on your way to heaven. What in the world do you have to be concerned about? Absolutely nothing. So you can give yourself to the call that's upon your life. Amen. <coughs> so our message and our purpose must be defined by His. We as the church, the body of Christ in the earth, are to be His hands extended and His love displayed. What do I mean by that? If you're here today and you're saved and born again, then it's because he touched your life through somebody. Almost all of us got saved because of contact with somebody else. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody prayed with you. Somehow, somebody's touch was connected to you coming to Christ. Amen. And whether it was ha having a place or a church, there are people come in and they can give their life to the Lord. Somebody doesn't lead them. But we create places for worship. We create opportunities for connection. And somehow our lives touch people. Could you say amen? See, the only plan God has is to reach people through people. If you ever realize that, God wants to reach people through you. Amen. 
We can, pay it, we can pray and petition God for our loved ones, family, and friends, but someone will have to go touch them with the gospel. We pray for every need on this wall. But isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said go lay hands on the sick. If we could ever stir our faith, not, not to really do anything, just believe God. Just take his word and believe that he really meant what he said in our lives. But someone has to go touch those when we pray for them. C.T. Studd said this, if Jesus Christ be God and he died for me, think about that, if Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, if God came and took on flesh to take my sins and to die for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Wow, I like that. Amen. See, the command from above will never change until the end of the age. There's nothing else that God is doing in the earth except seeking and saving the lost. Amen. How many would like to have a deeper relationship with the Lord? Amen. Okay, then start doing what He's doing. It's amazing how God will talk to you, how He'll move in your life, how He'll do things. When you just get into, see, He says, I'm doing this. And I invite you to do this with me. We say, God, can you come over here and do this for me? Most of our prayers are trying to get God quit doing what he's doing and come over here and get involved in our lives. What happens is if I ever get out of trying to get God into my life and I step into his life, you'll find out you have very little few things to pray about. Amen. Now watch this. There's nothing else that God is doing in the earth. If we find other things to do in his name, he will wait for us to come back to what he's doing. Get involved with all this stuff. Think about all this stuff, all the things, things, everything else. God says, okay, go have fun. Are you done with that now? Come back over here. Now go win somebody to the Lord. Now, now, now go reach people. Just go reach people. Can you shout Amen. So watch it. This generation, Keith Green said this, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on earth. We're responsible for the soul. We will give an account before God for the souls that are on the earth. And he's given us an answer to be the answer. And I believe this. I heard somebody saying, you know, about politically the other day. And he says the silent majority needs to quit being silent and speak up. And the church needs to be quit being silent. Think about that. We've allowed the world to intimidate us to shut up. To not say Merry Christmas. To, not, to, to change. You know, are you listening to me? To not say the name of Jesus. To not do this. To not do that. And we, and we just allow ourselves to be bullied and to push into a corner. And I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm just talking about just standing for the truth. Because the Bible says when you stand for righteousness, you'll be persecuted for righteousness sake. Amen. And so, but we don't like being under persecution. We don't like doing that. We want everybody to like us. We got the like me gospel going on. Amen. And so while we're trying to get everybody to like us, we're allowing people to go to hell. Don't shout me down because I'm just preaching this morning. Amen. So think about it. Sympathy is no substitute for action, David Livingston said. See, when we truly begin to seek the face and the heart of God in prayer, three things will happen. Isaiah chapter 6, I don't have time to read it, but the Bible says in the, king, in the day that King Uzziah died, Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I was caught up and I saw the Lord and his train filled the temple and he heard the Lord crying out and the word of the Lord came and just said, who will go for us? And Isaiah's reply was, here am I, 
send me. I want to challenge you today to have a here am I, send me in your heart for God. At this season, at this hour, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what you've done. We're going through a discipleship class with a handful of men on Tuesday night. And I told them, too many times we like to talk about what we did for God instead about what we're going to do for God. Come on, if you're alive and still sucking air, God has purpose for your life moving forward. God's not a past God. He's a now God. He's going to be, he, he's, everything is forward with God. It's now and forward. Are you with me? He doesn't live in the back. But as Christians, we, well, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did Well, wonderful. God bless you. I'm glad. But listen, listen, listen. A resume for a job is not to get paid for what you did. You submit a resume because you want to do something new. In the future, you submit a resume to get hired to do are you, listen, are you listening? You submit a resume of what you've done so you'll get hired to do. In Christianity, we submit a resume to get out of doing. Well, this is all I've already done for the Lord. I did this. I taught Sunday school for 37 years. Praise God. Teach it for 38 are there no more kids that need to hear the gospel? Are there no more lives that need to be... Are you doing all right this morning? Are there no more lives? Is there nobody else that needs to be touched? Is there nobody else? So we, there's no place. Retirement doesn't belong to the kingdom of God. Refirement does. I mean, I'm a refirer. I'm trying to get you fired up. So when you submit, so you, you list your previous accomplishments, things you've done, to show that you're qualified to do more going forward. To be qualified to do. Are you doing all right? Praise the Lord. So watch this now. So what happened to Isaiah? Three things happen when we truly begin to seek the face of God. Because prayer prepares our heart, it positions us to hear, and it will always propel us into the harvest. Amen. God will always send you. He will always move you towards somebody else. So that's the command from above that we all live under. Now watch for a couple more. If you have your Bibles, go me to Luke chapter 16. And I didn't read a lot of those other verses, and that's why I put everything in your outline so you can study it all out for yourself. But Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his, laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. How I many know that's a miserable existence? When you're waiting for crumbs and dogs are your nursemaids. Miserable. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Now, everybody look up here just for a second. This is not a parable. In a parable, this is an actual account. Jesus is giving an actual account. In parables, you never talked about people by their personal name. Jesus is literally naming this man in Lazarus. Are you with me? Okay. And so in this area, in the, in the, in the beggar named Lazarus, and so this is what happened in his life, and he's giving the account of his life and the details surrounding it. <coughs> 
and uh, verse 23, and being in torment, the rich man was buried, and being in torment in Hades. So almost immediately he's buried, but immediately he's in hell. And he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you. Somebody say, I beg you. I beg you, therefore, my father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they come also to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, father, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. How many know someone has risen from the dead? Amen? And so, but what is happening here, the cry from beneath is just this. See, there there is a command upon us to go. We're under a command to go. The reason we're under a command to go is because right now there is a cry coming from beneath. You might not be able to hear it, but I guarantee you, any person who had died and gone to hell like the rich man and who was there, there is a cry coming up from hell that is saying, don't come here. It is crying out. And if people could hear it, they would hear. Don't listen to what the world says. Don't buy into all the the deception of the world. Whatever you do, don't come here. Think about that. James Walker said this. He said, we spend more prayer energy trying to get sick people, Christians, out of heaven. Trying to keep sick Christians out of heaven than we do trying to keep lost people out out of hell hear that again we're praying so hard to keep Christians from going to heaven that how hard are we praying to keep lost people from going to hell amen see sickness we're living in space and time we're living in a parenthetical space called time. This is time. And if we love the Lord, live with the Lord. Regardless of what's going on in this small little space of time, live to be 125, live to be 965. I don't care how long you live. It's still a short space compared to eternity. It's just a space of time compared to eternity. And so when someone passes and we go, oh, don't let them go, don't let them go. Our other price would be when we see people who don't know Jesus, we should be praying, don't let them go. Don't let them go. God, don't let them go until we reach them. Don't let them go. Because when we miss somebody, we carry a hope within us that we will be reunited with them if they know the Lord for all of But people who don't know the Lord will be separated from God for all of eternity. So our prayer focus should be more on keeping people out of hell than keeping people out of heaven. Could you say amen? 
See, nobody in hell is sending out invitations to come there except the devil and his demons. Carl Henry said this, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The world likes to mock and make fun of hell. Think about it. Think of all the rock songs and songs that are written about mocking hell, you know, whatever. For when I was stupid, I used to sing them too. I bet. But it's just a mockery of hell, like hell's a part. I'm going to go to hell, all my friends are going to be there. Amen. Think about all the different things you've heard concerning hell and mocking it. But listen to what the rich man said. Please. Look, look, please, just a drop of water on my tongue. I am in torment. This is not a parable. This is real. I'm in torment. Oh, you can't do that. Then at least tell my brothers, don't come here. Amen. You see, hell is the source of sorrow. Hell is a place where you never die. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Mark chapter 9 real quick. Mark chapter 9. This is how serious Jesus makes hell. Mark chapter 9 verse 43 says this. And if your right hand makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed or crippled than having two hands to go to hell into that fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot makes you sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Verse 47, and if your eye makes you Sin, it is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell or pluck it out. <coughs> Verse 48, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace. With one another. Three times, this is how serious it is. Three times Jesus explained how important it is not to go to hell. Amen. And there are all kinds of people today trying to dismiss hell. People want to talk about hell, preach about hell. Jesus talked about hell a lot. And his word to avoid hell is that the essence of the gospel is he came so you don't have to go. Amen. Nobody has to go to hell. Are you listening to me? But listen, the Bible says also, how are they going to hear without a preacher? And I want you to hear, you have a Joshua commission upon your life. There's somebody that needs to inherit the kingdom that is connected to your life. Look look inside. So hell is continually being expanded, Isaiah 5. Hell is a place where people beg for just a drop of water. Hell, as we read, is a place of torment. Kurt von Schroeder said this, Our God of grace often gives us a second chance. But there's no chance, there's no second chance to reap a harvest that is ripe. 
There's no, once it's ripe, that's it, guys. It's time to go after it. Are you listening to me? And our world is ripe for harvest. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Look, lift up your eyes. The fields are ripe and ready for harvest. You see, the truth is, there are so many being held slaves by the ruler of this world that they would accept the freedom that is theirs in Christ if someone would show them the way. Now, I'm, I'm going to help you in just a few moments here as I get ready to close, but I'm going to help you. How, how many have friends and family members? Let's put it like, how many have somebody's name on the wall over here to be saved? Raise your hand. How many want to know how to get them saved? Okay, half of you that have the names over there. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, to get saved, I have to like them. I don't like them right now, but anyway. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, but in that area, so we're connected. But what happens is every name that's on that wall, you're emotionally connected to. Every time you put a name on that law, because that's your personally and emotionally connected that. So what you have to do, you have to be able to separate your personal emotional connection from people to be obedient to God. Because if you allow your personal emotions and connections to people to run you, you will never do and reach who God ordained for you to reach. Just because you're personally emotionally connected to people, it doesn't mean you're the laborer in their harvest field. It doesn't mean you're the one that's supposed to reach them. And parents, let me help you with this with your children. God showed it to me years ago. I have one responsibility. This is my responsibility as a parent. I'm to raise my children and to teach them to know the truth. It's my responsibility to raise them and to train them to know the truth. It's their responsibility to choose the truth. I can't make them choose. If, if I fulfill my responsibility to raise them and to teach them to know the truth, they have to choose the truth for themselves. I can't make them choose. And if they choose to go off them, which is why the, prod, the father of the prodigal son did not chase his son into the pig pen. Some of you just been trying to find out where the pig pen is so you can go rescue your kids, and all you're doing is prolonging their torment. God does not send happy meals to the pig pen. He doesn't pay their bills when they're in the pig pen. He's not emotionally connected to them when they're in the pig pen. He doesn't bail them out because all you're doing is prolonging their torment. I've told people over years, I make people mad at me all the time, and this is one of those areas where I really don't care. Because the truth is this, if your children are caught up in bad behavior, if they're involved in addictive behavior and doing other things, and you're trying to cover all of their expenses while they're addicted, you might as well just give them their, you might as well just go buy whatever they're addicted to for them. Because they're being irresponsible. The reason they can't pay their expenses and do their bills is because they're wasting their money on what they're addicted to. And so if you'll pay and, 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 pay and, and meet their financial responsibilities, you're giving them the money to keep addicted. You're not helping them. You're enabling them. You're actually cursing them. And you need to remove yourself from the emotional connection. Are you doing all right? God bless you. That was free. It's not even in your notes. Amen. So watch this. 
See, the truth is, is that there's so many people because there's people who want to get saved. And while you're emotionally connected, there's somebody around you who would get saved if you would share the gospel with them. If you would be the Joshua that God sent you to be to them, you could cause them to inherit it. See, they, like Israel, just need somebody to help them, somebody to cause them to inherit it. Jesus was willing to descend into hell for us. We are willing to go for him. Jesus went into hell for you and I. We could go into our grocery store. We could go into our workplace. We could go wherever he leads us for him. Could you say amen? Think about that. He went to bring them out. We can live to keep them out. Jesus descended into hell and led captivity captive. Now he said, would you live so people don't go in there now? There's a way out. Nobody has to go. Amen? Nobody has to go. Lastly, let me finish as the worship team comes back. The cry from without. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Acts 16, you can read it, verses 6 through 10. Paul was wanting to go into different areas. He, he was praying, and he really had a personal burden on his heart about where he would like to go. And many times we have that. We have personal desire of the things we would like to do for the Lord. But it's not about us doing what we want to do for him. It's about us being obedient to his call upon our lives. See, is, is it possible, listen to this question, is it possible that if we will go to those that he desires to be saved, he will reach those that we desire to be saved? So every name on that wall, like I just said a minute ago, how do you get your loved ones saved? Those are the ones that we desire to be saved. The Lord says to you, these are the ones that I desire to be saved. If you will reach the ones that I'm sending to you, I will send labors to the one that you desire to be saved. If you will do what I need you to do. Now listen, in our discipleship class we started with this. Jesus said that if anybody will come after being me, being my disciple, he must hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, and everybody else, all other relationships more than me, or he cannot be my disciple. Which means you cannot be emotionally connected in relation to anybody higher than Christ. That's literally what he said. You cannot have an emotional connection to anybody relationally that's higher than your connection to me. And what he's saying is, I need you to go meet that person. But Lord, I'm praying and I have to minister to my family. And we're so busy, caught up with our family that we can't reach who he needs us to reach. And if we ever learn that God says, if you will give, because listen to what he said, that nobody, he, he ends in Mark chapter 10. In fact, you're there. Turn to Mark chapter 10 real quick. It's not in there, but I want you to see this. Because people get afraid. Well, if I do that, what's going to happen? Mark chapter 10. And verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, somebody say no one, who has left house, brother, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children, or land for my sake in the gospel, who, should, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and land. God says, if you will go where I tell you to go, let go of that, go over here, be a Joshua to who I'm sending to. I need you to cause them to inherit. If you will go over there, I guarantee you, I will take the seed that you sow, and I will multiply it back to you by answering your prayer.
There's always and always will be a cry going out for help. The Christian is not obedient unless he is doing all in his power to send the gospel to the world, A.B. Simpson said. You see, we can hear it when we prepare and position our hearts and lives in prayer. We can hear that call. See, there's no limit to the need and the end or to the degree that God will use us when we answer his call. My pastor used to tell me the whole time he was alive, every time I saw my pastor from the day I first got saved till he went to be at the Lord, he'd always look at me and say, Don, you're just the right age to do something great for God. Let me tell you, I don't care how young you are or how old you are. You read your Bible. God uses young people and he uses old people and he uses everybody in between. The truth is you're just the right age to do something great for God. You've been positioned for success in the kingdom. You've been positioned and equipped by God to be a Joshua to somebody. Amen. Say yes to God. See, there's no higher call. I I, I watch young people all the time. People think, oh man, I want to stand behind the pulpit. If you knew the cost to stand behind the pulpit, you wouldn't want to say, I want to stand behind the pulpit. Amen. Because it's not just about getting a message and getting up on Sunday morning with no strings attached as a guest speaker at a church. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes behind there that nobody wants to be a part of. You mean I have to do that? Yes. You want to do that? Come on in. No, I think I'll be an evangelist. (laughs) I'll blow in, blow up, and blow out. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. That way I'm not connected to people. It's like Ronnie said last night. I'm going to preach and Pastor Don gets to clean it up. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. It was a great message though. So watch this. Pat Morley said this. He said, if the great commission is true, our plans are not too big, they're too small. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. We can increase our plans. Amen? See, like Paul, we can all have desires of where and how we would like to be used for God. But we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, Paul wanted to go into this region over here. He wanted to go over here and preach the gospel. And he just couldn't get a release from the Lord. And then it says, in a dream, he saw a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. And Paul said, I did not even been thinking about it. I haven't been thinking about going to Macedonia. I don't desire to go over there. My heart is to go over here. Paul, when he wrote to the church at Rome, he said, man, I I long to come to you. I long to be with you. People are saying, I'm afraid to come to Rome. I'm afraid to bring the gospel. I'm intimidated by by everything about Rome. So Paul said, I'm not intimidated. The Holy Spirit won't let me come. And the way he made it to Rome was bound and under judgment of death. He didn't get there the way he wanted. He got there through the path that God took him. And God's path took him where he would stand before Caesar and proclaim the gospel to Caesar and through the whole courts of Caesar's palace. Amen. How many know Paul would have went there on his own? He'd have met in a few house churches. He'd have talked to the believers and stuff. But God ordained him to have a voice in places. And God has has ordained you to have a voice in places you never thought God would take you. If you'll just determine to be a Joshua to somebody. Oh, but I, could you pray for me? Almost all of our prayer requests are for personal needs. Amen. If I, I don't, please don't misunderstand me about this. I'm not telling you not to pray for your need. But once you pray for your needs, thank God for all your needs being met. The Bible says in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, pray and then thank Him. And once you thank Him, move on. 
Say, thank you, Lord. I pray you're moving on my behalf. That's settled. Glory to God. Thank you, God. You're moving on my behalf. Now, Father, let me pray for these people over here. Father, let me give myself these people. Because I already know you're working on my stuff. I don't have to touch all that. I've cast all my cares upon you. I don't have a care in the world because you're caring for me. You're looking after me. You caused everything to work together for my good. Glory to God. Thank you for doing a great job. Father, help me reach these people. Are you doing okay? Amen. Stand with me this morning. See, most of our desires are connected emotionally to those we love and desire to see saved. If we could trust God for their salvation and move in obedience to His will, He will send the laborers to them. We have to be about our Father's business. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed, Hudson Taylor said. I want you to bow your hearts just for a moment. And just before the worship team sings, I want you to just take a moment just with your head bowed right there. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? I understand that there's a command to go. I understand that there's a cry that says, don't come here. And I understand that there's a call that says, come over here. So Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to reply? Who do you want to send me to? Who am I supposed to keep out of hell? Where do you want me to go? And maybe you've had all kinds of reasons. Maybe you've, what I said a few moments ago, maybe you've already written your resume of everything you've done for God and you just want to settle down into retirement. I'm telling you, retirement is not an option. You're still a Joshua to somebody. God still will use you as a Joshua to somebody. He'll anoint you in a greater way than you ever thought possible. God is a God of now and a God of forward. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment as they begin to sing. I'm going to open this altar. And maybe today, maybe you're here today and you just need to say yes to the Lord with your life. Maybe you've had an excuse for not surrendering and giving your life to Christ. I'd love to pray with you right here at this altar this morning to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a need for healing in your life. Whatever it is, we're going to have the ability to pray one with another here in just a moment. But as they begin to sing, I want you to choose how to respond to this message. But just take just that second. Just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? How do I respond today?